Hello, this is Lyle Phillips, Senior Pastor at Iris Nashville, and I would like to personally thank you for downloading and listening to our podcast each week. To find out more information about Iris Nashville, you can find us online at irisnashville.com. Thanks, and God bless. All right, praise God. I'm a little old school. Um, I'm not as cool. I, I still write my notes um, like four times, get hand cramps and all the nine. But uh, I'm, I'm always trying. Like my wife will tell me, hey, you should use the iPad or you know, use your MacBook. That's why we got it. And I'm like, but I want to write it. And then I can't even read it sometimes. And I'll just, full disclosure, I can't see my own notes, okay? I'm supposed to wear glasses and I don't. And then I've also noticed that Maybe I'm just getting a little bit older, but I'm starting to read my Bible here, and it's because it's a little small. But nonetheless, bear with me. Um, I believe God wants to say something sweet and awesome tonight, and uh, I'm excited to be with you for sure. I, I, I'm so stoked to be here. Coming from Orlando, um, sometimes I like to think of it more as Disney World. Um, I don't really call it Orlando. I try to sign my letters, Disney World, Florida, and then they kick it back because um, I live on Space Mountain. Uh, no, that's just what everyone thinks when you're from Orlando. They're like, so you, you live in Space Mountain, right? Yes, I do. Um, I just want to give you guys a quick introduction to myself first and foremost, just to give honor to the house, give honor to your pastors for letting me come in for sure. So thanks so much. Making friends with y'all has been awesome for my life. So thank you so much for letting me be here. Also for... My friend Chepe, who uh, actually, I don't even know why he's here. I'm just kidding. Uh, he, he's here from Orlando as well. Real, like, true story, hashtag true story. Listen, I was just talking openly about coming to Nashville. And I said, hey, I'm going to go up to Nashville and hang out with my other friend Ariel. And I'll go visit the Phillips. And I'm going to go hang out at church. And maybe like a couple days pass. He's like, hey, uh, what flight did you take? Because I'm going. So I'm like, okay, yeah, like you should come too. So um, anybody got a friend like that? If you don't find one because you need one, life's better with a friend like that. Amen. So somebody, somebody look at the person next to you. Hopefully you came with them like, will you be my friend? Will you be my friend? Some of you guys that are strangers are like, I'm looking straight ahead. I don't even know. I don't know you. It's okay. And then some of you guys might cry because you're here because you need a friend. Amen. All right. Anybody? Amen. Amen. Real hard. Because uh, I've been there too. Where we needed friends, but. Praise the Lord. Um, my wife can't be here, but she sends uh, her hello. Um, I'm, I'm sure of it because my phone's been buzzing, and she's like, how's it going? How's it going? I'm like, love, like, I'm, I haven't even got there yet, but it's going to go great in Jesus' name. But uh, she says hello. Um, I can tell you this, guys. If you guys saw her, it would be so hard for y'all to focus because her face is so incredibly fancy. Like, it's just, it's, it's fixed a certain way that's just fancier than most faces I've ever seen in my entire life. So I, I, I can't even preach very well, okay? So, um, but praise God, I wish she was here. Uh, and I'm excited to be here with you guys, man. I want, I'm, I'm gonna put myself, I'm gonna out myself first and foremost, just so that you guys know um, how I've even got connected to the Phillips and Iris Nashville. Um, I have a dear friend, Ariel, who moved here in, in January and was looking for a church. And we've been going to church in Orlando for a couple years. We grew up together, um, known each other, uh, BC days, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so we've known each other for a very long time. I'd probably say almost 15 years now and uh when he moved to nashville this january i said you got to go to church this is not an option you're going to church so um to kind of piece some things together here's the trippy part like we knew that he was coming to nashville and i've never been here and so this past march was the first time i've ever been here and uh I was wondering, like, what, I don't know a church. Should I look it up? Should I call somebody? And we have some mutual friends who are mutual friends with your pastors. And they said, man, it's a great church. We love them. I think maybe about a year and a half ago, somebody told me, you remind me of my friend Lyle. And I'm like, he's awesome. Um, must be. So I said, really? And I'm like, this is good. I'm like, that's good people. So when he said he was moving here, we said, go there. But this, I didn't even realize that the story goes even further than that with my friend Chep. And remember, I said, you need to have one of those friends in your life. They just kind of imposes themselves every now and then when needed. And uh, Chep works for a Sunglass as a social media ambassador. And he, at this time, was just working out at a store people come in and they're trying on a pair of glasses and he's getting his spiel on you know hey you should try this out if you buy two you can maybe get a little bit more of this whatever it sounded like some point or another Chep is the type of guy who will talk to anyone and everyone just about anything 
So conversation comes up with the, uh, the man who was in the store trying on a pair of glasses. He said, man, you should definitely go for these. I don't know exactly how I went, but somewhere or another, something came up about God and being Christians and going to church. And well, this person starts to share about where they're at and they pastor a church in Kentucky. And they start sharing, and oh, and my son is also a missionary to this place and to that. And said, well, what's your son's name? La, he was helping out um, Pastor Jeff out in, uh, at Sunglass Hut. So when he said, hey, my son's name's Lyle, and he has a church in Nashville, plug in Ariel in Nashville. Like, well, you're going to Pastor Jeff's son's church, and we don't even know him. Um, but that's just the way it got connected. So it's really weird. I don't know. Hey, I'm just going to let you know, in Orlando, we do stuff like that, okay? We're all in your business. We just say, hey, where are we going to eat? And that's where we're going. Um, but nonetheless... That's really how we got connected. We're just like, hey, Lau, you're going to be my friend now. And if you don't answer me on, on, on uh, social media, it just looks weird. So you're a pastor. You have to respond to me. Amen. So listen, if you haven't had your time with the pastor, if you're looking for Ali or Lau or something, just hit them up on social media. They have to say hi to you in public or they're not good pastors. So it, it, it's a setup. It really is. It's like, hey, if you're going to be open with your Instagram, then well, guess what? I'm going to write on. And if you don't write back, people know you don't love God. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. All right. I hope you guys are okay. I'm going to joke a lot most of the time at the expense of myself. But for right now, since they're friends, on them. Um, Nonetheless, uh, so excited. But that's just a little story. I saw myself, man, I, I, I joked around with the leadership community this week. I said, man, I think I was Instagram stalking your pastors and your church and all your people. And then I was like, Michael sounds like an angel. And the pharaohs are so beautiful. And I want a donut. And I was just like, I love Nashville. <laughs> I was like, I, I feel like, and this is real conversations. Like, we go home, and I'm asking Ariel, or I'm telling my wife, I'm like, yeah, they just made a new donut, and da 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 And like, who are these people? We hadn't even met until last March, but, or this past March, but now we're friends, right? We're, we're friends, right? Right? Okay, thank you. All right. Awesome. See? I didn't even pay him to say that. But, um, man, that's just how I'm connected to this house, and I've been here since Monday. I was supposed to get here Thursday, drove up, you know, earlier with Ariel, and, uh, Man, it's been, it's been emotional, um, to be honest. You know, you get to a place and you're invited to minister. You're like, I want to feel the heartbeat of the city. You know, I, I want to eat where they eat. I want to go to, you know, Barista Parlor and Crema. And I want to go to this place and that place. And I want to I, I I buy a hat. Like, I got to buy a hat. I'm in Nashville. I'm like, I got to buy a hat. You know what I'm saying? So I, I went and bought a hat, okay? So I was like, I got to find a hat, you know, and all these things. And I've been here for, you know, almost a week now. And, man, it's emotional, like, I'm that guy in the coffee shop alone because Shepard didn't get here till Thursday and just kind of writing notes and talking to God and just crying. And I'm like, man, I'm that guy. You ever, anybody else ever been that guy or girl where God's speaking to you somewhere publicly and you're either like, I can go full in on this or I'm going to have to hide it. But it's like you don't want to hide it because then you're stuck in that weird place where your face gets stuck between crying and like straight faces and it's, it's awkward for you and everyone else who's watching, so it's better for you just to let it out. And hopefully someone in the room will be like, are you okay? And uh, I, I felt that, man. I, I've been to a couple different places this week where I was just, man, believing God. I said, God, what do you want to say to Nashville? Like, What do you want to say to Iris? What do you want to say to the people here that I so love and carry in my heart like family? Like, what is it you want to say? And then you just kind of get ugly and, you know, it, it just starts to get all, you know, your eyes get swollen, your face starts to shake and it's uncomfortable. And then I'm sharing a plug with someone and I don't know what to do because I'll leak on them. I'm like, all right. But you see, I, I just really felt like within these past couple of days, my heart has just kind of grown for not only what God is wanting to say to you guys as a people, but what he's saying to a, to a region. Um, coming from Orlando, I could tell you this. I'm not, I'm not just trying to shout it out because we have Mickey Mouse and all these other things. I'm telling you that there's something really sweet happening in the body of Christ in our city. And I'm stoked to just be a part of it, to play any role that I can in it, to serve to any capacity that I can. And, and to be here and to feel similar things or to feel a similar posture or heartbeat and, and feel so connected I'm going to do my best to kind of communicate what I believe um, the Lord wanted to say here. And some of that really came from as I reflected on my relationship with your pastors, I just really started to believe like everyone that I've told about them has, it's always been, these people are the real thing. Like it's so real. Like it's, it's like real life pinch them. Are you really that sweet? You know, it's like, hold on. Like this is really your life. So this is really how you carry and view and looked at the world through the lens of God. And man, I'm telling you that there's something authentic 
that's happening here. And a lot of that comes from because of, you know, obviously because of the household and because of the leadership in this place. But I really felt like God wanted to speak specifically to that thing. Then when you, when you see the real authenticity and even as, Brother Tom, as you started to share, like, yes, like to be relevant, it's not to substitute, you know, wearing a hat or it's not to substitute having technology or this. And listen, the scripture is relevant. Jesus's message for the body of Christ is relevant and it always will be. You see, because love doesn't really get old, okay? You see, there's something in part of us that is, it's that wrestling with that reality, that conflict within ourselves to say, hold on, are you really serious that he really loves me the way that these scriptures stated that he would go to that extent to purchase me? Like, if this is reality, then I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how much further we get, doesn't matter how much music changes, doesn't matter how much tighter our jeans get. All I can tell you is this, that that message will always be relevant. Always. It doesn't get old. And, and, and this is why, is because we're all created for love. Somebody say, I'm created for a love story. You're the main character, y'all. You're in there. It's like, man, you have this Jesus. You have this man who burns with passion for you. The desires have intimate relationship with you. It's like you're the main focus of his heart. Like, and, and to think that, you know, when we think about, hey, well, how do we present the real thing? Or how do we present it to a world who is, is possibly closing off to this message or who may not be as receptive or as times change and all these other things? How do we present it? Listen, love doesn't get old, y'all. That's why we read certain books six or seven different times. That's why we still pop in the same movies, even though they've been out for years. That's because there's still that part of us that gets stuck in the YouTube vortex watching proposals. Oh, my bad. Just me. True story. Listen, the other night I'm watching like, you know, YouTube is a vortex. Okay. And I got lost in another dimension and I'm watching like, you know, those things that say cutest proposal ever. I'm like, lying because I had the cutest proposal ever. So I'm watching, I'm, oh my God, so much better. <laughs> like, and then it says suggested or related videos and you just click, click, click. And before you know, you're like, I'm in a vortex and you're there for hours. That was me. And because man, there's something about love. It's just the way it is. It's just, it draws you in. It brings you in, it by nature, it embraces you. It brings you in close. So when I was thinking, I said, like, man, God, what is it that you're doing? I said, man, he's doing a real thing. You see, and it started to think, well, what's, what's, the, what's the opposite? It's like, man, we have, we have the real thing. We have something that's authentic. And then we get presented with things that are counterfeit, things that aren't real. And you see, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, again, tell you a little you know, stories about myself for the most part. And that's this. I said, man, I didn't, I didn't grow up in church. You know, I, I came to know the Lord in 2005, and it was a radical conversion. I did not grow up in church. We weren't even that good at getting there on Christmas and Easter. I knew I'd get smacked around if I said something disrespectfully about the church, but we never went to the church. And I just always knew it. I felt like my parents are good people. My parents have been dating since they were 13 years old, been married 30 years. I mean, this, it's a beautiful thing, you know. My dad worked three jobs. My mom worked, you know, two. And I was raised by a five-foot-nothing Puerto Rican woman known as my abuelita, which means grandma. And she was also the enforcer of all things holy, I guess, because this woman was just like, she took it upon herself to, you know, to instill law, which was typically kicks, punches, and slaps. Um, but for the most part, bless her heart, she did her best, you know, helping to raise three boys. It's not easy. Um, but I just remember, like, not growing up in church, and, you know, when I got saved, it was a radical thing. Came, coming from a lifestyle of alcohol and drug abuse, coming from a, a place where the only place that I really felt connected was through sports, and that's where I excelled, had an opportunity to play college football, and, and as I was getting ready to play college football, accept my offer for, for those of you guys who may not know how recruiting works, sometimes you get offered certain scholarships to different places, and you have to sign by a certain day in order to accept that scholarship offer when you're talking about Division I football, one AA football, there's different dates, and at this time in my life, I had gotten radically saved my, my junior year of high school, had no idea what I was doing, got, got saved in my time, basically ministering in a way because I was, at the time, I was dancing for uh, like a hip-hop dance group. I used to be, boy, I can't no more. I'm heavy, okay? Just saying, all right? I, 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 can't, I can't do some of the things anymore. But at that time, I would dance, and it was cool. And I didn't know at the time that the girl who was leading the dance group was also before we'd get to, we'd get to practice, and I showed up. Just keeping it real. I showed up so high, 
okay? I just showed up so high, and I got to practice. I'm like, are we going to dance now? And they're like, oh, before we dance, we're going to read the Bible. What? You're going to ruin my high. Like, I'm not reading. I don't want to do this. I don't understand. You guys, didn't, you guys set me up. You guys did the Christian thing and, like, hook, line, and sinker. You got me. Like, I don't understand. And, you know, she, she just wasn't afraid of my sin. She wasn't afraid of how messy I was. And she would continue to invite me over. She said, come back to practice next week. And I would come back and come back. And one day we were dancing at a show and, you know, a bunch of kids run up. We were dancing at some concert and a bunch of kids come up and they say, hey, if you were up here ministering, come up here and help us pray for these kids. And I was like, okay. I was dancing. I guess that was ministry. I was like, I'll go up there and pray for some kids. So I just kind of went around. And I was trying to, like, tap kids on the head and, like, do the stuff I saw on TV, hug them. And, like, you know, you ever been at the altar and you try to receive prayer and the next thing you know, you're in a bosom? You're like, All right. just go ahead, just pray. <laughs> I guess I can hear you from down here. Like, <laughs> I wanted you to pray for me, but, you know, but I just remember I was trying all the moves that I never, that I saw on TV. I remember one time, particularly this little boy, he's up at the, he's up at the altar, his hands are raised and he's worshiping and he's doing his thing. And I'm just like, oh man, this little kid, he's, he's the truth. I want to pray for him. So I went, I put my hand on him and he fell. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I'm so powerful. <laughs> like, I really thought. I was like, wow. Like, this is what, yes. Like, I'm trying to pray for everyone now, and they're not falling. And I'm like, well, you don't want God. And then I'm like, you, know, you don't want God, obviously. But I just remember at some point in that process, somebody grabs me and brings me into one of those bosom hugs. And as I got into the bosom, I got into the presence of God. And somebody just started to whisper over me, started telling me about God's affections to me. And I had a hard time believing it, thinking about my lifestyle of addiction, thinking about my lifestyle of rebellion, thinking about the person who as a six-year-old boy was being molested by his neighbor for four or five years. I had a really hard time getting the understanding that a God would love me this way. But if he loved me, why did these things happen to me? Or if he really loved me, where was he on those nights where this would happen or that would happen? But somewhere, something happened. There was a collision with my reality and the reality of heaven. And as these things collided, I just lost it, y'all. Like, I, was, I had no understanding of who God was, but I just knew. I was like, if this is really real, then for the rest of my life, I want to make it a point to tell people it's really real. So I said, from that day forward, I was like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. So when it, time, it came time to sign for, you know, college football, I said, man, I'm... I don't want to play football. I want to tell people about Jesus. So I'd have coaches sitting in my living room, and I'd be like, hey, well, do you guys, have a, do you guys go to church on Sundays? And every coach would tell you, yeah, we go to church on Sunday. Yeah, we go to church on Sunday. Yeah, we're going to go to church on Sunday. We go, oh, yeah, there's a pastor. We got a chaplain. We got this. And I'm like, no, no, no. But, coach, do you go to church on Sunday? I want to go with you. And they would tell you different things, and it just got to the point. I'm not going to get, you know, too crazy, but I'll tell you this. It was one of the only times I really believe audibly I've heard the voice of God, and it, was, it just was super simple. If you go, I'll lose you, just like I lost my nose. Uh, but I just felt, you're good, and I just felt like, man, like, what do you mean? I just, we just got together, and you're breaking up with me already. Like, what do you mean if I go, I'll lose you? This is all I've ever wanted. It's all I've ever got. Listen, I got a 2.25 GPA. I don't know if you know God, but I really can't do much else except hit people. <laughs> so you're going to have to make a way. All right. Any, any 2.0 students up in here? No. All right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. We can keep it a little real in the house. Okay. Listen, I just knew that they said, hey, score this on your SAT and stay above 2.0 and keep hitting people. We'll be all right. Okay. So that's what I did. And I just remember having to come home and tell my, my, my father, who wasn't serving, I remember having to tell him, listen, I'm not going to play college football. And my dad was just like, boy, <laughs> Mike, you're, you're confused. Like, these, these people have brainwashed you. I said, no, God, Pop's like, nobody's brainwashed me. I'm in love with Jesus. He said, you could be in love with Jesus at college. In college, they go to school. First person would ever gone to school in my family. I said, go to school. Don't tell me that you haven't beaten your body for the last six years to get ready for this. Like, go to school. And I was like, I can't because the reality of losing God, I'm telling you, football paled in comparison. I wanted to be with him. 
I wanted the real thing. I wanted that authentic thing, that thing that, you know, that turned my life around. And that's why when we say, hey, if you're going to buy into the real thing, when you have to know it, this is what, this is what they do with counterfeit bills, with money. They say, if to, to, in order for you to really identify a counterfeit bill, you see, they don't teach you what the fake bill looks like. They teach you what the real thing looks like. You see, and sometimes in churches, we're so quick to talk about the falsehoods and the lies. And while it's important to know, listen, if you teach people the real thing, if you teach people the real thing, it will grab a hold of them and it will thrust them into the reality of their eternity. You see, because they'll be like, if this is real, then I'm giving myself wholly and completely and entirely to this thing because I can't believe it's this good. You know, and that's why in the scriptures, if you go to 2 Timothy Chapter 3, there's a familiar passage of scripture there, and you don't have to if you didn't bring it, but if you did, cool, let's get there. If not, I'll read it to you. But, you know, it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says this. It says, for Mark, this is, there will be terrible, terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful. You see how I can't read right now? Proud, <laughs> abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without... Without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power, have nothing to do with them. Listen, this generation, you know, it's awesome to see there's a lot of what people would consider millennials in here, 20 and 30-somethings. And even for those of you guys who may slip right outside of that range, you're young at heart, and I can recognize that. Now, what I feel like God is always saying is that, you see, especially in this generation, I work as a missionary for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which my mission field is public school systems. And I go back into the public school systems and talk to different, you know, athletes and coaches and, and, and students who are, are wrestling in their age of, of, about what it, what's real and what is. I can tell you now more than ever, this generation, we would say, oh, man, they're so openly rebellious and they reject God. I can tell you this. They don't really they're not educated in the real thing, guys. That's what I've noticed. Like most of the time I go into a campus and they'll say, hey, I want you to come help out or talk to our students. And, you know, I have I have nine schools that I work with and I go and I'll speak to a varsity football program. And listen, I didn't go to church. I didn't grow up in church. But if you mentioned David and Goliath, I had an idea. Rock, giant, hit in the head. Cool. Like I had an idea. It was small, but I had an idea. Nowadays, I'll go in and I'll say certain things. And it's not that they're openly rebellious against what I'm sharing. They genuinely don't know about what I'm saying. So my question is always like, man, so are we doing a good enough job to teach them the real thing? Are we, are we getting so turned off by how crazy it's getting out there when we don't recognize that God has caused us to triumph? We stand, we're secure, we're anchored, we're weighted down on something that isn't shaking or moving or moves. So it's like, man, we, we have to be those people who say, man, I want, I want to communicate the real thing. And that's what I believe is happening here in Nashville. I'm like, man, the, I, I, I don't know. Back home, we got like four coffee shops. Here you got like 26. So I don't know if they're all the real thing or they're just trying to be. I don't know. But I know this. There's something authentic in this city. It's, it's, just, it's just there. It's, it's, it's prevalent when, I, when I'm walking around. When I went to what, what, Kroger's, Whatever that is. Um, we have Publixes, all right? I, I've only seen like one Publix. Like, Publix, I'm going to get a sub. Um, you know, <laughs> get a sub. But, I, I, you know, I, I'll go to Kroger's. I'm like, hello. <laughs> like, hi, I'm from Florida, you know? Um, so, but nonetheless, I see this idea of, man, people, this generation will latch on to the real thing. We don't want something counterfeit. That's what anybody ever heard. Maybe, you know, I grew up, we grew, I grew up in an area where we listen to a lot of hip hop. We do a lot of that stuff where, where people say, or maybe you've even heard it, I mean, real recognizes real. Anybody ever heard that? Said that? Yeah? Real recognizes real. When the real thing shows up, people are just like, oh, that's real. Like, it's just, it just, even if I don't understand, I don't, if I don't, you know, the other day we were walking down Broadway and there was some country music. Listen, y'all, I don't understand it. I don't. Where I come from, we listen to salsa, merengue, bachata. Those, these are Spanish music. I grew. I'm Puerto Rican. Any any, any Puerto Ricans here? Yeah. <laughs> Anyone? No. All right. Cool. You know why? Because in Orlando, you say any Puerto, and before you can even say it, people are like Puerto Rico. Like everyone's going crazy. Everyone goes crazy before you can even say it. And then someone's saying, but I'm Dominican. And it's a war. And then we're fighting, and it looks like West Side Story. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> kind of. We're like. Like, ready to go. Um, 
But no, like, man, I go into places and I don't understand. I may, it's, it might not be the style of music I drive around to back home. But there's moments where I'm, I'm you know, we walk by somewhere and I'm like, that sounds good. I don't understand it, but it sounds good, you know. And it's like real recognizes real. If the real thing's in front of you, like, that's real. I, I, I can trust that. You see, we don't want to have a counterfeit reality within the church. Because whether we know it or not, the unchurched, as much as we want to think they're totally blind and just unaware, no, they will come into a church and say, this is fake. Because even if they don't understand, even though they don't want to buy into what it is that we believe, maybe they don't want to come to church and walk down an aisle. But if it's real, they'll say, something's different about you. Something's different. And I even see, we see this through the life of Jesus. He starts to encounter sinners. It's like, man, if, if, if Jesus was alive today and we saw his social media, we'd be bent, y'all. Because he, we'd be frustrated. Uh, because, there, because he would be so making peace with being around sinners. And we would have a problem with it. I'm like, oh, my God, look at Jesus. He's over there. Oh, I can't believe you. Look where he went. Like, are you, I'm not going to even like that. I'm not double tapping that at all. Like, I don't care how good the caption is. I'm not double tapping. I'm not. Nope. And you're going to swat, unfollow, whatever it is. You see, because we have this idea that we can't wrap our head around the reality that Jesus, that Jesus would be so in love with us sinners. It messes with us. It messes the, the reality. So we'll decide instead that we'll create a counterfeit reality within church where it says we can go in this far and be this intimate and go that deep. But that's just it. Because then at that point, oh, God, I don't deserve it. Well, we know we don't deserve it. The good news is that he doesn't care. <laughs> the good news is he said, hey, you don't deserve it. And yet still I sent my son to die for you. You know what? You, you don't deserve it yet from the beginning. I'm telling you that from the moment Adam and Eve fall, we see a plan start to go into effect where God is like, I want them back. I want connection back with my people. So I'll go to this extreme in order to make sure that regardless of how crazy we are, regardless of how sinful that we may be, that he would still create an opportunity for us to be back in relationship with him. It's good news. That's why the scripture is called a gospel good news. It's like, man, but I'm broken. I'm dirty. I'm hurt. I'm this. I'm that. It's like, good news. You qualify. The exchange rate of heaven is always to your benefit. Like, check it out. It says here, you have ashes. He gives beauty. Who does this? You know, I always used to remember. I'm sorry. I tell a lot of stories. Uh, I just remember, like, growing up, my, my parents, we were on welfare, so we didn't have much money. And so I would remember growing up, and I would go to school, and I would have a fried bologna sandwich with a brown banana, straight up, and a block of government cheese. Like, just, it's too hard to do anything with it unless it was in, you know, the microwave. Or you, it was just nasty, okay? And my grandmother would pack me this thing, and I don't know why, but every morning I would open up my lunchbox or my bag, and I would say, something different is going to be in there in the name of Jesus. And I'm just kidding. Um, but every time, it was my bologna sandwich, my brown banana, and my hard cheese. And I see these other kids come to school, and they got Lunchables. I said, man, I want Lunchable. So I said, hey, Tony. I'll give you my block of cheese for two pieces of ham and one, and one Ritz cracker. He's like, no, nah, I'm not making that trade. Dang. I'm like, well, I'll give you this brown banana for those Mott's drinks that look like barrels. And it, yeah, I was like, yo, I'll give you this brown banana for that Mott's drink. What's up? I ain't doing that trade. I'm like, come on. I just want a Lunchable. Like, this is all I want. And it's like, to me, that was like the, the end all. I was like, man, somebody one day is going to take this bologna sandwich with the crusty bread and say, you know what, fine, here's my Lunchable. They never did it. But I remember this as an adult. I'm talking about three, maybe four years ago, walking through Publix, and Lunchables was on sale, 10 for 10. Dude, I loaded up on some Lunchables, and I was like, my father loves me. God loves me. I know this because he sent Lunchables for 10 for 10. And I remember, like, I would make a trade. I, was, I wanted to show it to my schools and when my campus, and be like, yo, here's a Lunchable. But they didn't care. Because they didn't have to grow up on the, on the fried bologna and the hard cheese. But nonetheless, I was like, man, this is good. And that's how I feel sometimes with the Lord. I'm like, hold on, beauty for ashes. You're sure, like, you understand. Anybody ever got over on a deal? Anybody ever got over, like, yo, I'll trade you this for this? And they're like, okay. And you're like, oh, my God. Do it now. Do it now. Like, anybody play fantasy football in here? Hey, hey, listen, I play fantasy football, and sometimes I, I'll make a trade, and when they say yes, I'm like, oh, my God, do it now. Yo, commission, put that through. Put that through. Like, sometimes you're like, do it now, like, before they change their mind. So sometimes I'm like that with God. I'm like, yo, God, ashes, beauty. 
I'm like, I'm trying to duck out. And he's like, no, stay here and celebrate because the exchange rate says I'll do it over and over and over again. He's already committed to doing it over and over and over again. So I'm like, God, are you, are you with our heads? Because we can't accept it. So what we'd rather do is keep our ashes and just say, oh, woe to me. Let me just keep all this hurt. Let me keep this sickness. Let me keep these things that are causing me harm because it messes with me too much to think that God's getting gypped. God is openly making the exchange all the time, wanting to do the same. Man, I'm come and make a transaction with the Lord. You see, because forms of godliness do not change the world. Forms of godliness won't change the world. I love your vision. Love God. Love people. Change the world. This is, this is the gospel. This is a gospel that genuine, authentic love for the Father will produce love for people. And when that happens, people's lives are changed. Because it happens all the time, whether it's the bosom hug, whether it's just showing an extension of God's grace, whatever it is, God's always been in the business of saying, man, if people would fall so madly in love with me, it's just, it, it becomes habit. We're like, man, I love God so much. I love his people. You see, and then when we start loving his people, people are starting to change. People start to realize, man, I feel kind of different when I come to your church. Like, man, when my family is abandoning me and the church, you know, the lady who sits in the back left corner of the church is showing up at the hospital bed. They're like, whoa. Or I've been there with myself. Like, man, my family has gone through things. And when it's my pastor who's showing up, I'm like, yo, where's the rest of the family? But the pastor, my pastor, who my father isn't in the church every day of the week. My father's been to the church since I've gotten saved a couple times to hear me preach. And you know what? I believe God is changing his heart. I've seen it. You know, I didn't show, even though he works so often, I understand that the, the idea of Abba is so easy for me because I've seen how my father has loved me and how he's loved my moms. So I'm like, Papa, you don't even know it, but you worship so good. Papa, you don't even understand it, but you're such, a, you're such an example of God to me. You see, and, and then so when we go through things at home and it's the pastor who's showing up and not his brother, you see, that could be, oh, you see the church. No, no, that's like, yo, love? Y'all love us like that. Like you're, you care about what's going on. Love changes the world. You see what happens, you know, a word that we've kind of grown synonymous with the real thing. Or I could tell you like my wife, as soon as we got together, it was like, listen, we're not eating junk no more. And I'm like, what? I'm Puerto Rican. I got to have rice and beans every day. Like I had to have it every single day and throw on a chuleta, which means pork chop. You know what I'm saying? Or give me steak on the next. I'm like, pork, chicken, steak, repeat. Like, <laughs> let's go. And with the rice and beans. And if you want to take a day off, fine, throw some fish on there. I'm good. Like, and she's like, no, we're not eating that. We having brown rice. Huh? What do you mean brown rice? Like, and we're going paleo. What? What does paleo mean? I had to look it up. I had to look it up. I'm like, meat and veggies? What's that? I'm like, where, well, I'm a carb guy. I'm like, where's the carbs? Any bread in there? What's going on? Like, I don't understand. And she's like, no, and we're going all organic. I don't got the budget for organic, girl. I'm like, do you know I sell shoes for a living? Like, I'm, sitting, I'm preaching the gospel and selling shoes. Like, what do you want? I'm Al Bundy, and you over here talking about we're organic. I'm like, you feel me? I'm like, organic? I'm like... Okay, we'll, we'll try. I'm going to take this chicken. How much is it? $15. I'm like, what? I'm like, you eat it real slow because you're like, listen, that needs to last. Like, that needs to last. She's, she's being real modest with, with portions. I'm like, no, 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 chill. I'm doing the cooking because that's all you get, lunchable size, everything. But I just feel like, man, we've grown to see the real thing is organic. Like, it's huge farm-to-table restaurants. We want quality stuff. We want to know where our stuff is coming from. You know what? Bless my wife's heart because I'm in the best shape I've been in my whole life. I said, okay, girl. She said, listen, I want to be with you for a long time. I said, tell him again. I said, really? She said, I want, you, I want to live a long life with you. I'm like, that's right. I'm like, okay, so then let's live forever then. You know? So I'm like, cool. But, you know, so I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm not going to lie. I'm in Nashville. I'm eating barbecue. I'm having Hattie B's. I'm eating DeSanos. I'm going in. You know what I mean? And every time Chappie tries to periscope, that's say, turn it off. Turn it off. Turn it off. Okay? Because she'll sign on and be like, what are you eating? I'm like, dang it. 
But nonetheless, we've grown to see the real thing. We it's become synonymous with this idea of organic. It's a, it's like it's like a big word right now. It's a trendy word in church. Is we want organic communities. We want organic relationships, and it's good. So when we look at organic versus artificial, it's like well, let's just be real for a second. Organic doesn't mean easy. Okay. Organic doesn't mean easy. Organic actually means longer and smaller things, right? It's like, you know, I, I feel like organic, <laughs> that's, that's really how I feel sometimes. I'm like, you know, I looked it up. A pear from a pear tree that's grown from seed takes 6 to 12 years to produce a fruit. 6 to 12 years for a pear? So I remember I was watching this thing. I was watching, real story, in my vortex, I got to a, I got to a place where I was listening to a, far, a farmer talk about planting a pear tree. And he bites into the pear, and he says, wow, that's good. It took eight years to eat this pear. He's like, but it's good. He's like, you know the best time to plant a, tree, a pear tree? Eight years ago or today. You see, because some of us, we want this organic thing, but we're like, how do you even start that process today? Like the best time to start an organic thing is to start it right now, to not waste time, to allow other things to come in and steal those things. Like, no, let's start now. And it's okay that we understand that we might not see it right away, but we're going to start building towards that thing now, and we start living now like we already have it. You see, and that's kingdom is to understand that, hey, maybe I'm not seeing this thing come to pass yet, but I'm healed in Jesus' name. You know, maybe I'm not seeing a certain family member up in the front, you know, worshiping, but I'm going to believe now that God's touching their heart. You see, because organic doesn't mean easy. And I understand, trust me, I understand that organic is costly, okay? It might cost you a little bit more. It might actually, you know, it, it takes longer to see it grow. And I think that it's something that happens within, in, in us that says, man, I want this organic thing, but I'm not willing to put the time in. You see, organic actually means that it's produced without the use of chemical fertilizers, pesticide, or artificial agents. You see, organic is costly, but it's real. See, when we see that it's not, an organic thing can't grow with chemical fertilizer, that's like our relationship with God. We want an organic thing, something that, that isn't being contaminated by anything else. Yes, we're throwing in chemical fertilizers in the form of whatever, insert whatever our Christian vice is, but we're like, man, I want this to rush. I want it to go faster. I want this to move. It's not moving as fast as I want it to. So we're putting in these chemical fertilizers to try to make it rapid. Listen, this is what I felt. I felt, man, listen, Iris Nashville, hear me out. Trust the process. Do not be afraid of the process. You see, if you do process well, you do kingdom well. Okay, so as, as a leadership team on Wednesday, as I was with you guys, I was like, oh, my God, I will lay hands on every single one of you right now. Because my heart was racing. Because I meant trust this process. Like when I saw that you guys are going to two services, I'm like, yes, part of the process. Love, love this process. We don't want to allow pesticide to come in. Hey, that's the enemy, huh? Come to steal, kill, and destroy. Trying to see that, hey, you're growing something authentic. Wow, you're growing something real here. And it's like the enemy will come in and try to, to steal that, to kill that, to destroy it, to stifle it. That pesticide will try to come in to, to rob you of that, of that inheritance, of that reality of the real thing. The artificial agents, that form of godliness. Don't allow the form of godliness to rob this church or even yourself from personal breakthrough and revival. Like when I've been listening to you guys on podcast, because I do that, when I've been listening to what you guys are talking about and when you guys are going through the different, you know, life in the spirit, when you guys are, when you guys are engaging openly with heaven to say, God, do something here real. Like every single week, like this isn't, this isn't rehearsed stuff. It's like, man, if the scriptures tell us we go from glory to glory, then God inhabit this place now, you see. Because I've purposed in my heart to, to live and to view God with the reality of right now. Like if the scriptures tell me in Chronicles that the Lord looks to and fro every single day in whom he can do mighty exploits through. And some, some translations render it this way. They say, hey, who's going to be available for God to do something mighty in? Every single day. So I try to wake up every single morning and say, God, if you're looking today, right here. Like every time that I'm going to say, hey, I, I wish I could worship. My wife tried to worship. And sometimes, you know, I do the transition prayer and she's singing and she's worshiping. And I try to grab the mic while she's singing because I'm like, ah. 
Like, I'm trying to get in, too, because I'm like, man, I want to, I understand that she's grabbed the reality that these praises that she's offering up offers the presence of God to inhabit the place. So when you come to church and you're just like, oh, I, I hope it's good today. I hope the brother from Texas is going to do his thing because, you know, I like what Mike was saying. I like it when Johnny's playing. And it's like, no, 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 listen, listen. If you grab the reality that God is wanting to look to and fro today in whom he can show himself mighty, you say, well, here I am, God. Let's do something mighty together. You see, and I believe that all of creation, and that's what the scriptures tell us in Romans, that it's saying that all of creation is groaning with an eager expectation of the sons of God to be revealed. So get a glimpse of that. All of the earth, all of the world is waiting for you to show up and say, here I am, God. What should we do today, God? Who should receive this idea? Who should, who should grab a hold of the reality that you and I partnering and dreaming together can change the world? You know, and, I, and sometimes I have a hard time telling him, I have a hard time saying it. And I'm like, man, Lord, you look to and fro every single day. Every single day, like today, I'm having a bad day, Lord. Like, I'm not in the mood today. I don't want to pray today. I don't even like this song that they're singing. You know, whatever it might be. And I'm like, man, but hold on. The entire earth, get a glimpse of that. Every person, all of creation is eagerly expecting you to show up and be who God has created you to be. Like, what? What? And something within ourselves says, no, 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 not me, not me, not me. Somebody else, Lord. And he starts to look to and fro again. I'm telling you guys, if we can grab a hold of this understanding that every single moment in history, every moment in history has been marked by a person who has dreamt with God. Like, listen, I live, I, I live in, Disney World, in Disney World, Florida, okay? Listen, sometimes I'm in Disney, and I'm walking around the Magic Kingdom, and I'm like, I can't even fathom that 60-some years ago, Walt was dreaming this place up. I'm walking into someone's physical dream, and all of creation is groaning for you to wake up and to dream with God so that they could walk in to the reality of partnering with God because you've made available and you, because you've done that thing in you, then only you can give back on to God. You see, and sometimes in churches, we get to this place where we're like, okay, you know, I'll come under leadership or I'll come under people and I'll let them do their dream and I'll labor and, I, and I'll give myself to that vision. And that's awesome. Praise God. That's part of kingdom. But what about you? What about the thing that God has whispered to you? And I'm reminded of, of Abram when he goes out and, and, the, and the Lord tells him to go up and count the stars. He's like, God, I can't count the stars. I come in. No, count the stars. And let's just say he has the absolute most genius way of counting stars. And he gets up to like 6,422. And then he counts one again for the second time. Ah, like I missed it. Listen, I don't know what it looked like, but I know that God is telling him more than that will your descendants be. Those stars for every night, because we read that scripture and it sounds amazing. But then for every night, every time the sun went down from that moment on, Abram would walk, or Abraham would walk around and look up at those stars and be a reminder that dreaming with God becomes a reality in this earth. Every single time the sun went down, oh my God, look what God wants to do. Look what God, and so we wrestle with that reality of, oh my, if this is what the Lord wants to do, then become available to it yield yourself to it when we talk about cultivating culture and i heard you guys you know speaking of being carriers of culture my heart leapt because i was like yes let's build a culture let's let's be a people who we say hey we do church this way here you know and, and back home we pastor a work called native society and our vision simple is that man with natives as native from nashville if i ask you hey how do i get to hattie b's from here I might need to know. Um, but if I ask you, how do I get to Hattie B's from here? Some of y'all be like, man, go down this way, take a left here, get up on this one, get up on that. You guys would know where to go. Okay, if you came to Orlando and you said, listen, I want, I want some slamming arroz con pollo, where do I go? I'll say mama's house. But, you know, I'll say, and I'd give you directions, and I'd know how to get you there. The idea is because you're a native, the same way that as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, if someone says, hey, how do I love people who rub me the wrong way? How is it do I serve or I work at this 
job, even though I don't really want to be here too long. How is, you know how to navigate kingdom. So you had to have native hearts where you say, hey, if that reality of heaven, I want to live like heaven here now. Okay, we want to we want to operate since I know how things go there. I make it happen here. Amen. Because I recognize this impossibility is God's platform for opportunity. What's impossible that you're believing God for? Like as a church, what is it? Like, what is it as a church group? Is it, man, we want to have a church that grows to this number of people? Or maybe it's not a numbers thing. Maybe it's just a, man, we want to have a church where our young people are leading us in worship. Or I want to have a church, and when we go to pick up our kids, they're like laid out in the spirit. I don't know what it is, but what is the impossibility that you're believing God for? Because this is what I believe is the enemy's tactic in the, in the earth today, in the church today, is to rob you of dreaming with God again. To try to buy into this idea that church culture means kingdom culture. It's not kingdom culture is the place that I want to function from because kingdom is everlasting. See, because that's what Jesus, that's what the Lord has already told us that he's in, he's created an eternal kingdom. So if I'm going to buy into eternal kingdom plans, ideas, and purposes and govern from that place here on this earth and establish kingdom here. So what are the possibilities that you're, the impossibilities that you're believing God for? As I even close, I just wanted to say this, man, history is marked by those who dream with God. You see, because when you see something and you try to force it along, when you try to create this counterfeit reality, when you try to force process or you violate design, you're creating a counterfeit reality. If you allow things to be organic, if you allow things to grow the right way, if you allow things to, you know, and it's even, it's like, well, what does that mean? How do I establish culture this way? How do we create that type of culture where the scripture tells us, man, we, could, we have power of life and death in our tongue. So find something to start speaking over. Find something to start speaking life into. Find a dream or a vision. Start to give language to the thing in your heart so you can share with one another. So then when I meet you guys, when I come back in a couple months, when I come back, whenever it is that I get to come back, I'll say, hey, guys, what's going on with that thing we've gained language to? As a leadership community, what's the thing that you guys are finding language for for this body and say, hey, how is it that we can start speaking life over that specific thing? Like if this is the specific thing that we are believing God for, then let's speak life into it. Let's speak purpose into it. Let's speak legacy into it. Let's say, hey, we want to set up legacy in this place to say that a genera generation after generation after generation is walking into the promises of God that we're laying down the foundations of right now. Like, that's, that, that's my desire. That's my heart. Even as I'm at home and I'm, 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 with, I'm pastoring, you know, our teenagers and our high school kids and our college kids, I'm just like, man, I want to see my college kids raise up and kick me out the door and become the leader of that group. And I want our high school kids to show middle school kids this is how we worship God. And I want to see them set up for longevity to continue generation after generation of advancement. And I believe that this is what God is trying to say to you guys as a people at Iris. I'm telling you this. Grab a hold of this moment in history right now. Grab a hold of the reality that God is looking to and fro and whom to show themselves mighty in. And who he can show himself mighty in. Can he do it here? You know, as, as I close, I want to, sometimes I can pray things out better than I can articulate them. And... I had a hard time in worship because I was like, there was so much that I want to say. So I just, I just have to tell Lao he had to bring me back one day, because there's so much that I, there's so much that I want to say to you guys. Like I still felt like there was things that God wants to say specific, but He would want me to encourage you in this that it is the hour for your dream. It is for your moment to be brave. Don't be deceived to think that you're small. You are giants. You're not cowardly, you're brave. You're not the tail, you're the head, okay? You're not beneath, you're above. You see, when we get a hold of that and we live from that reality of like, man, God, this is who you say I am. If you are for me, then who can be against me? If you've already told me that you would prosper and advance this very thing, then why am I wrestling with it? Like you see, because people won't always, this is for the leaders maybe. See, people don't always follow position but they'll follow bravery. They won't always follow position. Oh, we need to listen. No, 
those days are done. Look at, look at throughout history. Look at throughout history. That's why our hearts do something in certain movies. When we see the person stand up and say, no, we can do this. That's when we see Joshua and Caleb saying, no, there's giants, but who cares? We're going to take the land. God's already said we can have it. That's why when David's like, who is this guy talking to God like this? Give me something and let me not wear what you're going to wear. I want to wear what I wear because I bring something important to battle. And I think that this is what God would have me release. Like, this isn't so that the, the leadership community gets more than you. It's just what I felt I was supposed to do, which was pray for the leadership community to release bravery into their hearts. And the good news is that God's not a respecter of persons. So although I may touch them, you get to say, I'll take that too. And as I heard your, your message on impartation, that's just what I felt. I said, God, give me a grace. Give me an anointing to release bravery to this group of people. Because I know, I see it. I see the, the, the vision that you guys are casting. And I know that now is the time for you guys just to say, let's not be timid. Let's go for it. So I'm going to pray this out. I don't know how we're going to close this time up, but I felt like I just wanted to, to pray this out for the leadership. Where, where you're at, I'll find you. Uh, I will find you. Um, but I just feel like if you're in your seat, you don't have to come up. If you want to, awesome. But I just wanted to, to come in agreement with heaven that God's going to release grace for bravery and for dreaming on your life, okay? So I'm going to ask you that as I start to pray that you would find your way either to stand so I can see you. And uh, in that time too, for those of you guys who are in the room saying, listen, I love my leadership, but I want some bravery too. You can stand up in my faith. You receive it as well. But Father, I just thank you for this opportunity. Chapa, you can bail me out too. Come help me out. Father, I just thank you for the reality of this moment. Father, I thank you for all that it is that you desire to do in this place, God. Father, for what you've made available through dreaming with you. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would just come in, Father, and you would fill our hearts with, with bravery, God. Father, I pray for this leadership team, God. I pray for, for the leaders of this house, God. And I just pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you release bravery, Father. Father, that you release passion, God. That you release vision to them, Lord. Trust them with something new. Trust them with something mighty, God. Father, we make available power for them, God. We release power into them, God, and bravery to dream with you. Oh God, release the more of God into their lives. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you grab a hold of their visions, grab a hold of their purpose and their dreams, God. Father, I pray for those who have allowed things to, to, to die out or to, to shrink, or maybe we've even decided to make peace with something smaller. Oh God, release timidity, release, release tolerance, release those things, release us from those things, God. To say, I only dream this big, we take off limits, God. We take off restrictions, God. Ah, but we release the more of God into their lives. We release the more of God, Father, language for that thing that they're trusting for. Language for that vision that they've seen, God. Oh, I pray that they pray specific prayers, that they pray specific things for the city and for this church, God. Trust them with a place of influence. Trust them with an opportunity for impact, God. Oh, release, release them to dream with you again, God. Wake them in the midnight hour. Ah. Ah, God, wake them. Ah, wake them in the midnight hour. God, I, I pray right now for a grace to wake up and to hear from you in the midnight hour. God, I thank you for a season that they're about to walk into. And Father, it's not because you can't speak during the day, but God, I know that you're just asking for a place of obedience, a response, that they would wake up in hours. And, and Father, some of them would even wake up at the same time over and over and over again. And it might take a couple of times before they realize, oh God, what is it that you're trying to say here? So God, I pray to wake them. Wake them, God. And trust them with something sweet, God. Ah, Father, for those who may see in part, for those who may see in part, I pray that this leadership team would be so united that someone else would receive the fullness of it, God. Oh, Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for the best years of their life, God, a fruitful life in Jesus' name. Oh, God, I thank you for the, for the more of God that will be experienced, the more of God that would just be released over them. Father, I pray. Father, I pray that you would just grab a hold of them 
Father, even as I heard them this week, just trust you. And Father, as I, as I stepped into a room of people who have dreamt with you, God, I just pray that you'd come and encourage them, that you'd come and strengthen them. Father, that you'd come and empower them to do that thing that they've been trusted with. Hmm. Oh God, for a generation that's awaiting you. Father, I pray that you would give them creativity. We release creativity in the name of Jesus. Creative avenues, creative venues, creative ways, God, for a place that's exactly the way they want to see it, Father. A place that as they walk into it, they say, that's my church. This is my church. This is my God, and I love it here. Oh, God, I thank you, Father, for, for joy every moment that they walk into a place and they recognize that you've called them to be together, Lord. Father, I pray for love encounters every time. Ah, Father, I thank you for the, for the fathers and the mothers in the faith, God. I thank you for those who have, who have spent years praying, who have spent years and nights praying. Father, I thank you for the, for the sowing of tears in the midnight hour. Father, I thank you that we start to walk into the reality, the reality of what you've been wanting to do. Father, as you look to and fro, we say, look upon Iris Nashville, God. We say, look upon this place, Father. We say, here we are. We want to see something new. Trust us with something, oh God. Father, we say, come and inhabit this place. Father, I thank you that this will be known as a place where people encounter God. Father, I thank you that in this city, they will gain influence and they will gain places, oh God. The ears of, of people in government, Father, I thank you, Father for the grace of God that will be upon this house. Father, we release it in Jesus' name into this room. Father, we release it to not just this leadership community, but to every person in this room now who's saying, I have dreamt with God. There's that thing that God is saying and speaking to you, and you're saying, God, that's what I want to see come to pass. Well, thank you that it is happening. Justin, I'm going to get you in on this. I've seen you since Wednesday. I've been wanting to. Father, just bless them, God. Father, release administrative anointing upon the man of God. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for his, for his household to be blessed. God, I thank you for the wisdom. For I feel as God would even say that he is trusting you with, uh, just giving you favor with people and officials that maybe the rest of us won't get to talk to, but you are our champion, the champion, the desires, not only of this house, but of the kingdom of heaven. Father, I thank you for someone who's faithful, one who will steward over all that you desire to trust them with. God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for even how he has purposed to hold up the hands of the pastors of this house, God. Father, I thank you for the encouragement that he will bring. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would continue to give him a voice. Give him a voice, oh God. Hmm. Do it in him, Father. And Father, for our children's ministers, God, I thank you. Father, I just release fruitful children's ministry in this place, God. Father, I thank you, a place where where children and babes are coming and they're confessing that Jesus is Lord and where people are coming and experiencing the reality of heaven because of our young people and because of our children, God. Father, thank you for signs and wonders within our children's ministry in this place, Father. Father, I thank you for even as they lay hands, sick people become healed. Father, I thank you that even as they declare, things will become. Father, I thank you that this generation, as they're being built up in the way that they should go, we set them up for legacy and longevity. We set them up to go from glory to glory and to go into places we've never imagined. Father, grab a hold of our children, grab a hold of these young people for a youth group that will be raised up in this place, God, of young people who understand their identity in you. Father, we release, we release the grace to touch the generation. Trust us with a generation in this place, Father. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you do it here and do it in them. Father, we believe that the scriptures have told us that as we pray according to your will, that we can say confident and let it be unto us all that you have declared. So, Father, because we believe we prayed according to your will and what you desire to do, we say let it be unto us all that you desire to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.
just want to have all of you please stand as we prepare to dismiss. As you're coming to your feet, could we just, just bless Shah for blessing us and ministering to us this evening? <clears throat> I, I know that I speak for all of us when I say to Xavier that, my brother, you ministered to us tonight. Would you guys agree with me in saying that? That he ministered to us tonight. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing, to receive ministry. And so I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to leave out of here not only encouraged and excited, but walking with an impartation of what God sent him up here to release. How about you guys? It's good. It's good. So just put your hand over on your neighbor real quick on their shoulder. We're going to release a prayer of declara declaration and dismissal. Uh, it's the... The priestly blessing. And so I'm not just going to bless you tonight, but I want you to bless the person to your left and to your right as we speak this out together. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. So we're going to have a ministry team up here with badges to serve you and to pray for you. Uh, Pastor Shav, Chepe will be up here as well if you'd like to receive some prayer for them. I'm sure they'll be glad to pray with you. We will see you next Sunday, actually Wednesday. We'll see you on Wednesday at House Church. You guys come out. That's always a blast. And then we'll see you here again on next Sunday at 5 p.m. God bless you guys. Thanks for subscribing to the Iris Nashville podcast. We'd love to hear back from you. If you don't mind, log into the iTunes store and leave us a rating and a review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more accessible our podcast is to new listeners. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. God bless.